0: Hello, I'm Harry. Hello, I'm Rory, and this is Games on Film.
1: Welcome back to Games on Film, the podcast that celebrates video game movies. It's Harry and Rory again. Netflix's biggest shills because we're here with another Netflix movie. After doing Arcane and what was the other Netflix stuff we've done recently? Cuphead show. The Cuphead show. Lots of Castlevania. Lots of Castlevania. Our brothers making a Netflix show. But uh, what can we say? They keep producing uh, video game movies. It's uh, Choose or Die today, isn't it?
0: Yes, formerly known as Cursor and Previewed on our 2022 preview episode earlier this year, which is now out of date, given that the Super Mario movie has been pushed back to
1: 2023. Mamma mia! Oh, Um, dear. Another reason to live for another year (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah, this is the movie um, it's 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 the deadly game with asa butterfield in it which isn't ender's game and it's the deadly phone movie with robert ungland but it's not 976 evil (laughs) it's a kind of a weird film this isn't it i'll say it right now it took me like 10-15 10-15 minutes to work out if this was meant to be set in america or britain or if it was meant to be set in the 80s or not it was <laughs> um quite the ride at the start of this film yes and
0: i don't know if i've got a synopsis or not to hand but i think to kind of set up the framework but this is very much in a sort of milieu of killer video game movies. We've done stuff like Stay Alive. We've done stuff like Arcade. And this is also, in some ways, and maybe kind of unfairly just because it just so happens to be on Netflix as well, similar in respects to Black Mirror, Bandersnatch, not with the Mm. interactive choice mechanism, even though that is very crucial to this film. But harking back to those interactive fictions, original text adventures, Um, which I never really played too much, but notable examples are things like Colossal Cave Adventure, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, um, and more modern versions of that. Uh, You can play and create quite easily today with tool kits such as Twine, which seems to be a pretty popular one. So this is very much, you know, Referencing that era, this is the kind of field we're in in this movie. The choice that has been made, though, is let's make a British film with a British cast and a British creative team, but set it convincingly or unconvincingly, depending (laughs) on uh, your uh, verdict of the film in New York. (laughs) Is it set in New York? Well, I think there's... uh... They they say there's like an address. There is a okay. letter you see which has an address that's a New York address, and they mention going upstate uh, of New York, I suppose. So I, I'm going to say, uh, yeah, the addresses are New York state addresses that we see
1: in the I film. mean, we'll talk about the film in general terms shortly and then go into spoilery detail. I will say that the whole setting of it, like where it actually was and where it's actually filmed – um, doesn't really affect my thoughts of the film itself. But all I can say is that I was so I was just noticing it the entire time, <laughs> and I think perhaps if you're watching this as maybe as an American or maybe as somebody who's not either American or British, you you might have a very different view. You know what I mean? I um, but again, what? Who am I to say I never see anything wrong with Dick? F- van dyke's sort of cockney mm-hmm. accent i am um, i'm just crap and that sort of thing but i think i was just really thrown by the first shot of this film and i was which was an establishing shot of a house i was utterly convinced i'd seen that in other british tv shows like um inside under nine yes uh, then i went I, I watched that episode of inside number nine it's a totally different house
2: <laughs> so oh, really
1: my, yeah, so my brain thought it was being oh so clever. But no, I I got you brain, you're not clever.
0: <laughs> but I think it's sort of distracting. Yeah, as you say, if you wouldn't know of its origins or, or where it was shot and that kind of thing, is a little bit distracting uh, for those who do know. Like, just because I know Asa Butterfield is a British actor, I'm therefore going to assume he's... British and then oh he's doing an American accent. And that's fine because you know you have Benedict Cumberbatch being Doctor Strange doing his own version of an American accent. A lot of British yeah. people do American accents, a lot of American <laughs> people do British accents. It just it doesn't really matter. And then, you know, for yeah. instance we talked about the intergalactic adventures of Max Cloud
1: mm-hmm. and Got you weren't that.
0: sure exactly where or when it was well, you weren't sure exactly where it was made right or mm-hmm. you thought some people were doing american accents or not but it was all british production so
1: it again it shouldn't have any bearing on
0: no, you know the no. quality
1: yeah i mean it's it's just i think i sensed it was set in britain and i i can't tell you why and i also can't tell you why it should matter but i think maybe there's just something about the i want to say extreme low budget where you detect there's not many characters these filming locations seem like they're on a British soundstage? What? I don't know. I, I don't have this amazing sixth sense for British soundstages. I don't know. I just think there were shots where people were cycling past like definitely British bike racks, you know, and like I see those all the time. And yes, perhaps America has the same bike racks we bike racks we have in the UK, but I don't know. Nobody's explained that to me. <laughs> But this comes from, yeah, this comes
0: from a a first time feature film director by the name of Toby Meekins. And I think the sort of, as well as the kind of killer video game aspect or the sort of text adventure lo-fi retro feel that it's going for. It's also, I think, playing into elements of The Ring
1: or Mm -hmm.
0: similar things where you have like an old format, at least. Well, maybe not so old. I mean, nineteen ninety-seven when the first Japanese Ring film came out. I think you know people were still using cassette tapes, yeah, I mean, VHS. We,
1: we, we. I bought the first time we saw Ringu is that I bought a VHS. That so was definitely still a thing. Yeah, <laughs> um, and also I think playing
0: a little bit into urban legends of either cursed video games or things like um, Polybius, um, the urban legend of this arcade machine which was taking psychological data from people and men Mm -hmm. in black suits were uh, studying responses for the machine and then apparently players disappeared after playing it or experienced hallucinations and it's this sort of urban legend. I never
1: never heard of that I'm glad you told me I keep an eye out for that I think um, I would happily see a cursed dance stage Euro mix, perhaps. <laughs> and um you look down at your feet and it's a pentangle, and you're like, Oh no <laughs> and get pulled down by a hundred demonic hands. What all to the tune of like a song by Erasure and I'll be like, <laughs> yeah, still
0: Yes, down. this this configuration of up, left, right and down mm. done in in a certain respect, uh four hundred times or so in the space of three minutes will um, create the portal to hell
1: yeah if you play the konami code backwards you open the gateways to hell itself don't <laughs> say that we didn't warn you because i just did <laughs> um but i think it also plays a little bit
0: into um kind of you know these, these sort of urban legends but also like internet urban legends and actually there's a movie out this week at least in the uk called we're all going to the World's Fair." which I've heard some good things about and we're not covering at the moment, but that's more about sort of online uh, horror games and more about sort of like online creepy horror legends that sort of creepy pasta stories. So you have your, you know, probably the most famous example is Slender Man. Um, but you also have, for instance, uh, Ben Drowned, which is this story about uh, a kind of haunted copy of, The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask. Um, (laughs) But I like these kind of things where you have these sort of urban legends sort of appearing on the internet and people getting into them. And it's, it's this idea of like the internet being this thing which no one really has control over. And these kind of stories and urban legends sort of can flourish, but just not the ones which lead people to kill each other. That's... That's very sad when that happens.
1: So speaking of influences, the trailer gave me a real uh, sore vibe. Um, mm. In fact, I, I suggested that I watch this with my wife because uh, she's got a thing for Asa Butterfield. She kind of likes him. And I have to admit, actually, I'm rather infatuated by him because I first saw him in BBC's Merlin. I think I've mentioned that show before. <laughs> and little, little baby Asa Butterfield plays Mordred, um aka like a like a druidic child with and he's just got these piercing blue eyes and you know we've we've seen him reach maturity now (laughs) okay that's enough um but like i was a bit hesitant about watching this with her because the trailer features like people running at sinks full of needles and i and i don't really like the saw films i know horror fans love the saw films i i fought the first one actually there's there's similarities i think in terms of budget constraints and things because like saw was a very low budget movie and this is quite a low budget movie, and and anyway, I just wasn't really keen to watch any torture porn. And while there's definitely a through line of saw in this film, where people have to sort of make a choice, yeah, you know, like the lesser of two evils kind of choices a lot of the time, I it wasn't torture porn, which I you know, appreciated. Well, speaking of trailers, should we should we play it? Shoes <laughs> sure. or die, Rory. <laughs> you said you're meant to say your choice after I say "choose or die." You can't say it halfway through. It makes me sound silly. Oh, that might have been. That might have been some lag. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine being like "choose or wait"? No, I have to say the catchphrase.
2: Congratulations, you are worthy. And remember, reality is cursed.
1: You're not special.
2: You are fired. Saw the eviction notice. This used to be a good neighborhood. What's this? Cursor. The 125 grand prize. There are a ton of unclaimed prizes from retro games. Could be easy money. You know Wilkie's on 37th? Yes, I do. Meet me there tonight at 1.30. It's a date. It's a deal. It's not like anything I've ever seen before. It seemed to affect reality. You have to choose, Kayla. Choose or die.
1: Clean up. What was it doing?
2: It's almost putting the words on the screen before I say them.
1: I don't see how video game can kill someone.
2: The more the cursed suffer, the more the cursor benefits. If it sent you here, it can't be for anything good. It's gonna hurt. We gotta choose, Caleb. I think you might be. It was for.
0: Die. Well, when I mentioned the premise to my wife, she said, "Oh, you would die instantly," and I, and I said, "I'm not that indecisive," and she said, "Yes, you <laughs> are," <laughs> because we played yeah. uh, we played um, until dawn together. Uh, which is the horror game and um, it is very much choice based scenarios and what you do or do not do will lead to potentially the death of multiple characters as you play the game and I did um, we did sort of cheat a little bit and like rebooted saves as soon as someone died in a horrible Mm -hmm. way we're just like no I didn't mean to push that button or I was trying to answer the question um, but uh, there's a new one from the same creators Supermassive Games coming out this summer called The Quarry and that's very much that's got Justice Smith in it and um, Ted Raimi um, and that just is another teens at a summer camp getting uh probably attacked by some horrible killers but you get to choose who lives or dies or you made your choice and the game decides who lives and dies based on your very bad judgment, probably, in my part.
1: Uh, who, who cares? We're all, like, fake people. <laughs> Justice <laughs> Smith is not a fake person. <laughs> so in... in in, I guess we don't get a... We'll never get a DVD box for this because it's a Netflix film. Mm-hmm. An N film, it says. So I'll just go by what it says on Netflix. Um... It says, tempted by a chance to win unclaimed prize money, two friends reboot a mysterious 1980s video game and step into a surreal world of next-level terror. Uh, It says this film is suspenseful, and it's in the genres of thrillers and horror films. (laughs) Um, More like this. Wildling, 47 metres down, things heard and seen. So, you know half these posters actually I see half the thumbnails of Netflix is a woman and you see like half of her face This either on the side of the screen looking all fearful or in between some pills a film called Run lots of half faces here what does that mean <laughs> um, it means it's quite hard to tell a film's entire vibe and story through a thumbnail <laughs> um so anyway we'll talk a little bit about our initial thoughts and feelings of this film and then we'll go into spoilery detail it's only 90 minutes this movie it's an hour and 24 actually so
0: i think it's barely that it's like i clocked 80 minutes when the credits started so
1: you aren't watching it in like 1.5 speed like you can do now on netflix no you can you can you can do you know you, you can watch films really fast on netflix now like yeah. it really, really fecked off some sort of auto filmmakers. I've not done it yet. I think I've only done it with Star Trek actually because I've, I've I've seen that, so I could go like War Factor One, War Factor Two, and I can do a episode in about five minutes. Um, my favorite, <laughs> One... no, seriously, five minutes my literal favourite joke of Ghostbusters, and that's quite hard because there are many, but it's when Rick Moranis says to Sigourney Weaver how he does like a 30-minute workout, or was it an hour workout at double speed, so it only takes 30 minutes? It's just the image it conjures up of Rick Moranis doing a workout video at double speed. It really tickles me. Anyway, that's not the film we're here to talk about. So I mentioned earlier how my kind of issues with where it was set and when it was set kind of annoyed me a bit. Um, like, and I actually looking at the description now, and I rewatched the start of the film just before I recorded this podcast. It actually does say at the start of this film where Eddie Marson is with his uh, broken family, they're all arguing at each other, and his son says how Eddie his how Eddie Marson is constantly obsessed with the retro stuff of the 80s. And then Eddie Marson ret- ret- retires to his little man cave to play this retro game. It actually says all the time at the start of this film, It's a retro game. So I hold my hands up. That was my mistake. Uh, I was like, it was only where I was. We we were first introduced to Asa Butterfield playing a character called Isaac, like maybe 10 minutes into the film and he's doing a 3D model of a CGI character. And I was like, oh, that's not 80s. Okay, okay, okay. But
0: But part of it is also in his man cave, he's got a Nightmare on Elm Street poster and it is a UK quad. Now that would... It's there's nothing, there's nothing to stop a U.S. citizen purchasing a U.K. Mm. quad poster for a movie. But also, I was a little bit like, hmm. hmm.
1: I mean, personally, I prefer U.K. quads. I know I'm from the U.K., but it makes it seem more of a painterly landscape, of uh, a serial killer or a zombie or whatever you've got in there.
0: Yeah, I think there was a Graham Humphreys painting. Very good horror movie poster painter did the original uk Mm. evil dead and evil dead 2 posters and that sort of thing.
1: we need to stop talking about films we like and (laughs) back to choose to die no so (laughs) no i've got here's the thing okay i did like it i did like it a lot actually um what what i was getting about the location um oh i got sidetracked a bit but what i was trying to say is that i really dug the premise And despite the budget, I mean, there's definitely times when I feel like the budget was working against it, but I think it also knew how to utilize it in very clever ways. There's just like, there's a sequence in which, um, I think the main character played by, um, what's her name? Uh, Iola Evans, Uh, our main character is called Kayla. And she's got um, a mum who I think has drug problems. And actually there's a whole family issue where uh, Kayla's brother died. Anyway, there's a scene when Kayla's mum is being affected by the game and it's done through like a computer graphic. So you see, like a basically an animated lady being chased around a screen by an animated rat monster. Should we say spoilers? (laughs) I don't know. Does that? (laughs) I was as I was saying that I was like, will the will the knowledge there's going to be a rat monster on a computer be a be a spoiler? Um, Okay, I apologise. That's that's a pre-spoiler warning spoiler. But I'm just trying to say that it it uses. Rather than just trying to show stuff, it knows when to not show stuff and therefore creates a more sinister scene as a result. So, I'm saying that this is a very strong debut from this first time feature director, and I'd be very keen to see what they do next. If it's the sequel to this, great. If it's something more, you know, even better. But yeah, I. especially considering its length and how it quite um, handily and respectfully takes elements from all these things we mentioned previously and and combines it to something quite enjoyable to watch I I think that's to be applauded you know I think this is a a good brisk uh, horror movie with quite a cool premise which I, I can't really talk about more without going to spoiler territory
0: I think the I agree that it does have some moments where it does use the budgetary restrictions effectively. And I think the sequence you mentioned is effective. And I found that because of like sound design and everything like that, I think it actually was one of the more tense and suspenseful moments. I do disagree with it. Not always making the right choice. Uh-huh. um. <laughs> Both in terms of like the accents, the settings, that's one whole major issue, which I think does actually prove distracting and sort of belies yeah, i mean the um I think it sort of belies the the you know some of the good stuff that's happening elsewhere, and also I think maybe setting it in Britain would make it more interesting and make it more different and stand out rather than attempting this kind of
1: transatlantic weird thing all this praise as i said i have to remove that aspect from it i'm talking about the core because yeah i find that really baffling and there seems to be no actual reason and i think why not just set it in the uk it would give it some flavor and make everything feel more legitimate i think it seems just slightly i don't know if it's like a netflix decree or just pure hubris i want to make a film set in america but hey it's a pandemic i can't shoot it in america Um, but but, uh, yeah, yeah, that's. I agree with you on that aspect for sure.
0: Yeah, but I think like as well in terms of the, the show not tell stuff or the tell not show stuff or however way you want to go about it, I think, yes, sometimes it makes the right choice. Other times it emphatically and objectively does not. <laughs> um, and, you know, we can go into that a little bit later. But I, I think my sort of overriding issue is that I did appreciate... I know you say it's not torture porn, but I did appreciate that actually it does have some nasty, unpleasant stuff. And I think it does a good job to make those horror moments imbue with emotion and distress. Um, The fact that people do not necessarily have a choice to do the horrible things that they're either doing to themselves or doing to others. And I think that has moments which are unpleasant and tragic and horrifying in the way those kind of things should be. So I thought all that was pretty effective. But I do think it is beyond the the question of its sort of setting of things. I do think sometimes it is a bit hobbled by its own ideas. And, and some of that is due to the fact that it's pulling from all these other you know, sources, um, but I think it does then lead to some choices. Again, i don't want I don't to stop <laughs> saying choices. But it does lead to a few things which are, is this a cute moment? Is this a reference thing? Or in the respect, as we mentioned, when House of the Dead 2 has this caption saying 29 days later, and it throws up all these problems then with the whole structure and, and story. I think this film does that in a few respects as well, which just sort of like, is this a cute thing or
1: does this completely scupper everything? Um, I love I love how House of the Dead 2 is now going to be some sort of like touchstone. <laughs> like if we're writing a paper, see House of the Dead 2. It's a, we'll have to update the
0: Games on Film wiki so that... You know, every time we mention it, people are like, why are they talking about Hazard of Dead 2? So, yeah, I, I I think in some respects, I liked it more than I was expecting based on the original sort of trailer that I saw. Um, although I liked it less than when I first read about the film and the premise and the, you know, kind of cast, etc. So I, I, in a way, it, it seeded expectations in some respect. It failed in others. And so it's a bit of a no score draw um, in terms of my sort of overall feelings.
1: So I'm saying choose giving it a go. And you're saying with extreme caution, (laughs) or were you just saying no? It sounded more like a no. I'm trying to beat my own drum here. (laughs) Um, I mean, again, it's only like 90 minutes long. So I'm sure you could fit it in somewhere, you know. The kids can wait at school a little bit longer while you finish watching Choose or Die. (laughs) (laughs) But I'll say at least, you know, if we want to go
0: into spoilers now, um, I think it starts strong. When it has the... The way way it starts, you mentioned, with the Eddie Marsden character, I think he's called in the credits, Howl. So I guess Mm -hmm. that's me. I don't know if that's a cute 2001 reference. I'm going to say yes. Um... But he's the one who, yes, he's too busy living in the 80s. He's just stuck in his man cave playing his games. And one of the games that he decides to play is Cursor. Uh, that's spelled C-U-R-S and then a larger than uh, symbol followed by an R. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of a, one of those old games you play on like a cassette tape. So I, I, I'm guessing like it's at it's Spectrum game maybe which you kind of like load and then the sound you know has that wee as it tries to like load the data <laughs> um and the the title screen appears and it's got a green skull and it says reality
1: is cursed and it's all very <laughs> ominous i was watching this with subtitles and sometimes it did say ominous music and it wasn't necessarily <laughs> ominous it was just Making you feel oh I should feel I should feel there's an ominous vibe right now. Well, the music was composed by Liam Howlett
0: uh, from mm. The Prodigy, um, and I did like the music in this film. I it I think obviously if you make a movie nowadays and it has anything to do with the 80s, you have to have a synth score. But this mm-hmm. isn't really sort of synth wave. It's I guess because of The Prodigy etc. It has this like really kind of crunchy stuff happening on top of all the synth music so actually i think yeah. the music was one of the strongest aspects
1: of the film well it's often the case of low budget movies because actually you know you can make a film sound a million dollars even if it's not um so yeah there's, there's no complaints there i guess this is where we actually see the sort of what the film's really about because this game can control reality i think that's that's the hook Hmm. um i I was trying to remember what happens in stay alive does stay alive change reality or your perception or i don't have
0: to i don't know exactly (laughs) i can't remember
1: i think it's just like uh, a ghost appears (laughs) (laughs) um i mean we're in spoiler territory now i think i will just talk a bit like at the extreme end of the film where we discover like what's going on here because of course you watch this film and this game is controlling the world around you and you're like how is that happening uh is like the game studio built in an indian burial ground (laughs) is uh you know all sorts of bullshit turns out that They've discovered some ancient... The game developers, I think the company's called Kismet. I recognise that. The, on, the,
0: on the screen, it says Valence Software Systems when the game starts. And then okay. it does emerge later that the company where our lead character, Kayla, works as a kind of gig economy cleaner is this, I guess, well-known megacorp Or tech company, which she's also trying to apply to as a job uh, for a job as a programmer because she's like a tech wizard. Um, Yes, it's this company Kismet, which means sort of fate or destiny. Okay. okay. And it turns out that, yes, the game was created by this developer, and that company has now become, I guess, a successful company. As a result, be, be even though this feels game, like run. no one's ever heard of. It's not like an yeah. Urban Legend style thing, where it's just like, oh, you've never played Cursor or you've never heard of Cursor. I knew some teens who died playing Cursor. No
1: one has a clue what this game is. Yeah. Um if you think about that aspect too much, it does really fall apart because <laughs> yes, <he has laughs> this big this you know, it'd be funny if this man actually just worked in a corner shop now or something, but no, it's it sort of wants to have his cake and eat it too and say that he has both the head of this all-encompassing megacorp, but also, it seems, by the purest, most extreme contrivance and chance people encounter these games. Mm. Um, But anyway, what makes the game work, though, is I believe... I mean, we see in a video professional and like horror films love their video professionals. Don't they? This is why I did this evil thing and I'm going to record everything about subject X. Uh, (laughs) And, you know, it's always there just for our heroes to just stumble upon and play. But he explains how the company has found these ruin, these runes, which control reality and they've embedded them into the game. And yes, I know that is, is hella cheesy. But there's something about that sort of, I almost almost want to say cosmic horror, that I, I adore. And also, I think it's, you know, it's also the cheesiest sequence where we see the power. Because in the video confessional, the man, he's got like a test subject dude. And he instructs the man to eat his arm. And there's something quite funny about... An actor like going, oh, my hand's about to get me, and then, oh, I need to bite my arm. It's it's kind of comical, and but I stress when something's kind of funny, it doesn't mean it isn't also a bit weird and eerie. So I think you can laugh and also go, ooh, when someone's biting their own arm off. But (laughs) choose or die. (laughs) The film makes you laugh and go, ooh. (laughs) So. In this video, the, the the head of the company, a man called uh, Beck, I think he's called, um, he sort of stabs his own arm with a scalpel, and as the man is biting his own arm, having been instructed to by the game, um, Beck's arm heals itself. So there's the implication that all the pain and suffering this game is causing throughout the world sort of somehow transforms into good luck and fortune and stuff for for Beck.
0: Because they say the more the cursed suffer, the more the cursor benefits. So it's this kind yeah. of idea that it's not just the game is testing you and you have to pass the test so you win the game. It's the idea that in a way the your, the game curses you and he as the developer in some way benefits from that clearly having a swanky but empty office building
1: 20 30 years later i don't really want to get dragged into like time scales and things again like we did <laughs> with house of the dead Two.
2: you promised me food man I'm gonna go back march 12th 1984 at 9 20 p.m this is the first cursor beta test since we first discovered the curse we've been unable to identify its origins or translate it its exact meaning, but we know it has unusual properties. Its symbols seem to affect reality. Each, each of them, <clears throat> each of them means something. Fire, or water, and blood. Their power has lain dormant for centuries, but the myth suggests whenever they've been used against uh, a person or more persons, they, well, they suffer. Pain, fear, trauma, and the more the cursed suffer, the more the cursor benefits. We've converted the original symbols into eight bit equivalents, contained them within a simple horror game experience. Choose or die. Cheers. What the fuck does that mean? Is some, someone's been doing this to me? I'll start the test now. <laughs> I am the cursor. As I cause suffering, I will reap the rewards. The test has started. Cursor. Yeah, real fucking original, man. (laughs) Okay, you've been waiting for hours. They promised you food. But where is it? Eat the computer. Eat your arm. What is this, man? Just choose one. This is bullshit. You want want your your money? Huh? Choose. Hey, when this is over, when I get my money, I'm going to mess you up. Arm. Hey, hey.
1: watch. Now, here's the thing. I mean, yeah, so I've already said I quite like this. I, and, and this confessional. And kind of the end of the film basically lines up a sequel, supposing that Kayla, who emerges victorious with the ability to control the game like Beck, get the impression that she intends to take on the company or become like some sort of superhero while she's basically going through the world doing horrible things to horrible people. I don't know if I like the idea of this being put into a sequel or I would like the film to have gone on just a little bit longer and it ends with her taking on Beck and destroying Beck. I, I, I'm conflicted because I think I, I always appreciate a film which leaves, leaves you wanting, but wanting more. But at the same time, I don't know how interesting an entire second film would be talking about that subject. I think it's one of
0: those endings where it's trying to be sort of wrapping up the idea of where this game came from and how it came to be and what the intention was behind the game. And the whole setting up with like Beck makes this phone call to Kayla and it's um, sort of like, ah, like a worthy successor, you're worthy of the prize, etc. And she sort of says... He asks, like, who will suffer next, and she says, only people who deserve it, which suggests a kind of, like, Death Note style, Just Death Note's the manga, and then turn it anime and movies, where you have this magical book, and if you write a name on it, then, then that person will die. So, I get that's where it's trying to go. I don't know if it's actually looking for a sequel. Possibly they could call it Twos or Die. Um, <laughs> but... I think it's one of those things where it's trying to be this ambiguous, oh, what will happen next kind of thing. And I like the idea of, as you say, she's got the superpower and then you should have like gaming superpower hacking against each other. I don't know whether it's like scanners or something where, you know, they're trying to sort of like take each other out with their cursing video game hacking skills. I think that's maybe too much. I think this is... You know, she got her job in the end. She applied to be a programmer. She's now a programmer slash cursor herself. So I think it's it's one of those things where it's like it's giving you too much information too late to be mm. one of those ambiguous. Oh, we'll just leave it there kind of thing. It sets up too much, but also there's not enough for a sequel. So I think it's maybe just I liked how it ended, but I think it's a little bit bungled. Um in the process,
1: but you have made me think about how perhaps I am just so indoctrinated into the idea of sequels, how there always must be a sequels if there's any sort of openness at the end, maybe this is just a horror film which wants to have an open ending, you know what I mean yeah uh, i mean I've seen like other film series recently I mean I saw a, the escape room one and two I've seen happy Death Day, do you, one and two? and without going too deep into spoilers they have endings which absolutely commit to a third film and and with like we are saying we're going going hard on setting up a third film at the end and i would say both those sequels do actually are their own films at the end as well but um yeah maybe just with this film i got a real sense that obviously this is just teeing up a sequel when it's not doing that at all
0: the game itself is as we see in this opening scene skipping from the very end of the film right way back to the start but (laughs) as you say it describes what's happening in the real life in in the real world and i quite liked how it does so in an old text adventure dungeon crawler style way because for when Eddie Mars' character is playing it, it, says you're in a cave, and as you say, he's kind of in his man cave. Later on, when Kayla plays it and she's in the skyscraper, it says you're in a tower. And then later on when she's playing it with Isaac, it's just like you are with your loyal squire. Um, yeah, I know like that language. So that was that was fun. But then ultimately it does come down to these sort of binary decisions. And mm-hmm. it again it sort of has that, you know, oldie worldy style thing, because it refers to an empty chalice and it turns out it's his beer bottle and then another one appears out of nowhere and the label says like behind you ipa and then he looks behind him and then he turns around and it's fooled you ipa um hmm. so there's like you know those little bits are kind of cute but then suddenly it says his tongue her ears and he don't know what to do with that information <laughs> but then it brings up the title of the film, Choose or Die, suggesting you have a time limit or, or something to make that choice or you die. Now, the, the death that it refers to for the player who doesn't make the choice does just seem to be a very loud, piercing, loading noise. Hits their brain, they grab their ears, and then the game makes the choice for them anyway? Or does he make the choice? Because Taylor also, she can't make a choice later on, and then, like, the noise hits her. But then it seems like the game makes the choice anyway. So it's sort of like, as you, you as the player, like, how do you die? <laughs> how does the game actually kill you if you don't make the choice?
1: Well, I was wondering throughout this whole film whether every choice has a deadly... um choice and a choice where you might suffer but still survive in the scene where um kayla is looking at her like a her mum being attacked by rats again she's looking at straight through the screen i think the key choice is does she stay in the house and get killed by rats or does she jump out of like a flat window apartment window and end up getting major injuries so i thought and that's what basically saw is about it's it's like people have to really want to live you know and and they'll they'll live without any teeth or whatever but they'll still live (laughs) (laughs) I I i thought tongue in my head and i said teeth so just imagine now a jigsaw style trap where your teeth are getting pulled out by a deadly puppet dentist anyway um so when acer butterfield's character dies he dies in again another sort of like kind of comical way but also i was thinking oh, i wouldn't want that to happen to me <laughs> he kind of he kind of um gets all this sort of vhs cassette tape coming out of his mouth going in and out again and i was trying to think the the tape could only so she's kayla is controlling a vhs machine reversing and fast-forwarding the tape and as she does this the tape kind of reverses and fast forwards out of asa butterfield's mouth and i was watching it thinking if she reversed would that be less deadly but also i was thinking the reason why asa butterfield got into that mess was that he tried to cheat, I think he tried to pull a cable out of the v h s machine or something, so I don't know if that was like ultimately a punishment he was gonna die either way, but the film doesn't really conclusively say this, so
0: but that yeah. again, that doesn't really answer the question you know, as she is the one who is the player at is there is no point at which her life is threatened, and the choice the the question is choose or die, <laughs> so it's like. If you don't make a choice, uh, girl. If you don't make a choice, then you die. But all that seems to be is just she gets like a noise in her and a headache mm. for a split second, and then the game makes the choice anyway for her. So I'm kind of sort of well, thinking actually being the player ain't so bad. You just have to deal with all the trauma of all your friends and family dying. Yeah, in front of
1: you. I was just gonna say you sounds very cool of the idea of like your your family and friends just eating glass all around you like it doesn't affect me at all <laughs> i will just say though like psychopath. Uh, <laughs> i would just say though like because
0: you mentioned both the sort of the rap sequence and uh, the the tape sequence and i think those are the two kinds of, sort of contrasting sequences i was talking about earlier about showing and not showing and i think not showing with the rat sequence, I think is really effective because you have very good sound design. There's a lot of tension, um, even though all you're looking at is just like a green sprite of a little rat moving around. But then having the phone call with the mum and all this kind of stuff, it it sort of creates like yeah, this sort of like horrifying image and tension. Unfortunately, when the Ace of Butterfield character dies, it looks incredibly silly it's like watching Goosebumps, the TV show or something. It's just maybe one of the kind of dumbest main character deaths I've seen (laughs) in a horror movie I've ever seen. If it was something like in, you know, The Ring when Naomi Watts of pulling the hair out of her mouth and it's like, seems really horrible and disgusting and... You know, and like it was coming out and it pulls out his guts or something. I know maybe that's like more extreme, but it just looked very, very silly. I felt very sorry for everyone involved. It probably like it was he was lying there gurgling with blood in his mouth and with this all this cassette tape coming out. And he probably thought to himself, it's okay, because when they do the editing and things, this is going to look really, my tragic (laughs) sort of like hero dev is going to look so beautiful and poignant (laughs) that you just watch it and it's just like, oh,
1: boy. (laughs) Well, I mean, I actually, as I said earlier, I did enjoy some of the times when this was kind of silly, but, but I still was kind of a bit icked out by it. But also, I was very confused when he died as a result of that. <laughs> because yeah, it, did seem, it, it did seem that he died because the plot needed him to die then. And that's when you know my wife pulled up her phone and just started checking you know, Instagram and stuff. <laughs> Asa was dead, not interested. <laughs> um, another sequence is when there's this whole subplot where Kayla... Um, is feeling a lot of guilt over her brother who's died. Um, Her younger brother died, drowned in a pool. And we get some backstory about how she really holds herself responsible because she would take her son to the pool, her son, take her brother, she would take her brother to the pool and would always be watching him at the pool. And when she turns her head for just the moment, he dies. And... Nobody blames her for it, but she blames herself for it. I think it's really good character work. And I think uh, the actress, she's really good, I think, in this film. Um, So we actually get an extended sequence in an empty swimming pool, which is filled with mist or smoke. And that's a very easy effect to achieve. It's a very... I mean, smoke is actually notoriously difficult to control, so I don't know why I say that. But, I mean, the image of the pool filled with smoke is quite arresting and ghostly. It recalls, like, what the outside of the house is in The Others or something like The Mist. And she's got her uh, son... I keep saying son, sorry. Um, Her brother, I think, has, like, little dreadlocks or something. And there's just this there's just something quite arresting about this shadowy figure with a sort of dreads flying around and kind of running at Asa Butterfield and running at, um, I'm going to say her name now, uh, Iola Evans. And in fact, it's a very, I think kind of a devastating scene because the way, I mean, we haven't really said this every day is split into like a challenge or a level. And the way she completes this level is really having to choose between saving Isaac's life or saving her kid brother's life. And she decides to put her hand over the mouth of her brother called Ricky and suffocate him again, basically. It's really harrowing stuff. And we learn later, and what and what makes this character quite smart, is that she she doesn't do that zombie thing or that thing you'd get in like a more rote sequence where she's like my god i thought you were dead but you're here you're alive completely forgetting she's in some sort of virtual reality death game <laughs> she <laughs> flat out kills her brother and then says later to isaac hey i know, I know my my brother's dead so i saved you obviously um so yeah it's i think better. that to kill him again <laughs> even better he was an annoying twat but no um I take your point on the VCR death of Asa Butterfield, which is a sentence which is a lot of fun to say, um, but I still think there's great sequences where they use the budget really effectively. I'll just
0: say with regards, like I, 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 very, I agree, I very much enjoyed her performance. I, think, I hadn't seen the actor before, but um, this is her first movie role I think. I think she's been in a, a few sort of TV shows, etc. cetera. Um, I thought she was very good. Um, my issue, though, is I think this piles on the tragedy and trauma far too thick because not only does she have, like, a dead brother, her mum's depressed, obviously, because of the dead brother. They live in a rat-infested apartment. Um, she's got a terrible job. Um, they've got kind of no money. They're threatened with eviction. There's a skeezy drug dealer, sleaze bag called Lance, who's propositioning her the whole
1: time for like unpleasant sexual favours. Sorry, I, that guy, um, Lance, played by Ryan Gage, was like, I know that guy. He looks with his beard, he actually looked kind of like a an off-brand version of Carl Urban, but he's actually the snivelly dude from like the Hobbit, like Alfred Lickspittle, And so I hate him even more. <laughs>
0: But, yeah, she's she's basically got this tough life. And I get that they give this backstory because, A, it gives the cursed game ammunition with which to, you know, force her to make difficult choices. Because you have the mum with the rat, you have the dead brother in the swimming pool, that kind of stuff. I get it. And I also get that it gives them incentive to play cursor because this is one hundred twenty five thousand dollar prize so it's like oh she needs the money and stuff and i think but like but, but the thing is is that like a everyone's got family or or maybe they've got tragedy and stuff like that you don't need it this kind of thick piled on it reminded me of stay alive where you have the main character has this fear of fire due to the fact that i think his parents died in a fire it's like yeah but everyone has a fear of fire <laughs> Like when it's sort of turned against them it's just like oh no there's whole rumors on fire it's just like yeah that'd be terrifying for everyone I still like um... to stay alive though B <laughs> I think also anyone would want $125,000 you know you you don't need the fact that she's like got no job prospects and they're going to be evicted because they're unable to pay rent and all this kind of stuff everyone would you know be like oh $125,000 yeah sure I'll give it a go it's it's. I, I feel like it's really, it's, it's not quite butterfly effect levels of like over the top tragedy um, to like a, an hilarious degree, but I, I sort of feel like too much. There wouldn't mm. be much more of a film with it without it, but I kind of feel, I think also because it has all that, but at the same time, the fact that it's trying to be like an American uh, version of, you know, tragic backstory and, and poverty and, and things like, again, I feel like if it was British, it would feel more authentic with it. This feels almost like kind of appropriation of, (laughs) of American (laughs) poverty when we've got our own poverty, damn it. And it's UK is a leader of it in in the, in
1: in in Europe. I mean, I'll say I never, I didn't have a problem with the amount of hardship she was having because I think you're kind of talking about how it it would be implied that everyone would like money. But I think by really selling how desperately, they, how desperate their life is, I think it really emphasizes how they, they need, they would, um, that this money would really appreciate it. But I say this. A, knowing that this this whole premise about completing an 80s video game when you win money that's a whole pile of bullshit i mean you know that never i mean it's kind of like the equivalent of finding like an old subway voucher from like five years ago in your pocket and thinking oh i could get a free sandwich of this that's no one would ever like leave a prize going indefinitely in the video game so that's bollocks um and um i guess actually this is the point where we say like robert england's appearance so like i forgot he was yeah. in this film i was watching the credits oh i can always say it was the titles so we get we get some t- a title sequence which also sort of subtly says that eddie marston's character played like level two and all sort of shit happened with his family as a result but it said and robert england aka Freddy freddie krueger freggy freggy <laughs> his friends call him freggy um i was like you know he it's always a delight to see robert ungland and so i was like well we'll probably get like a scene where he plays like the developer and he says oh it got too far and all that stuff did not expect for a moment he would be a voicemail message saying if you're listening to my voice, I'm Robert England, and you're going to win some money and blah, blah, blah. The the video call, sorry, the video message ended and I, I was like, is is that it?
2: Um, What's this? Uh, I don't know. It looks like a bootleg.
0: The 125 grand prize.
2: Cursor. She's got a quite good name. Not as good it's as cool. Ghoster, but... Think the prize is still uh, I don't know. I mean, there are a ton of unclaimed prizes from retro games. A couple months ago, I read about this guy who was the first person in 34 years to complete Thou Art Dead. He found a treasure chest in the dungeon with a bank account number. <laughs> Greetings. This is Robert England. No. Oh, wait. And nightmare. No way. Or should that be the other way around? What? If you're listening to this, then you're either a loser who isn't paying mommy and daddy's phone bill, or you have survived so course. Cool. So, <laughs> congratulations. You are worthy. Oh, my God. What, who is that? <laughs> Enter your prize oh, come here, who's that? And remember yeah. the reality. <laughs> Curse. That is so cool. Spend that money wisely, kiddos. Robert England. Who the fuck is that? Come, oh, come on. Your pop culture ignorance is becoming unacceptable. Bitch.
1: You know that. You know that. I just, I didn't just call you a bitch. Oh, God. There is a narrator for some of the video game. And I was wondering if he did the voice of the narrator of the game. but Yeah, I, think... I read
0: an interview with the director and they said, well, we got Robert England anyway to do this. So we thought, you know, Robert, to save the characters reading the text on the screen the whole time, they kind of mm-hmm. did, did a little bit of a sort of, you know, a, a movie... Uh, Gimme. Yeah, like a kind of, yeah, that sort of thing. So there are points at which Robert England's voice like narrates to right, his voice. Narrate the game. But, you know, whether that's diegetic or non-diegetic, I think it's it's not actually meant to be coming from the game. It's just there as oh. the audience member to sort of like make it more interesting. Also, so you get to hear a bit
1: more Robert Englund. Okay. But uh, <laughs> I think that was a massive hint that this was not shot in America because like, just just call Robert, see if he'll do this for us. Um I mean, I will say with interest, uh, there's there's bits of this film which reminded me of Wes Craven's New Nightmare where people are speaking the text, the, sorry, people are speaking and then the text on the screen repeats what they say and there's like a wonderful bit in Wes Craven's New Nightmare where, where Wes Craven himself, playing himself, is talking about how like this conversation and scene is going to end and then the camera cuts to his computer screen which shows a script and it says Wes Craven and then it's just the same dialogue written on the screen and then the camera focuses on the text at the bottom of the screen which says fade out and then the screen fades out I'm like (laughs) (laughs) "Ah, you cheeky devil um I actually have
0: only seen like, the only Freddy Krueger movies I've actually seen are A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, mm-hmm. Dream Warriors, is that the one? Yep. And Freddy vs.
1: Jason. <laughs> so Okay. Well, we, should, we should watch them all together. Maybe we can have... I think we mentioned this before one of our earlier episodes, in Freddy's Dead, he plays a game. It, it is does. not good. It is not very good at all. But hey-ho. I,
0: just to focus, maybe too much, but on the Robert England inclusion, and this is what I was talking about in terms of the House of the Dead 2 thing and how it may be. Is this a cute thing or does this completely upend everything? Because. You have. So the reason Robert England appears is because when they call the hotline for the video game, the Isaac and Caleb characters, the voice message says Greetings, this is Robert England, Horror Royalty and Highwood Nightmare. Or should that be the other way around? And he says, like, you've won, if you're hearing this message, you're either a loser or you've won and enter your four-digit code. Now, the game is copyright 1984. That's go, also the same year that a nightmare on Elm Street came out. So plus so point one, would he have already <laughs> been considered horror royalty in 1984, presumably when the no. this voice message was made? Because he was only in one one Nightmare on Elm Street movie. I mean I'm, he'd been doing other movies before, but I'm not sure he, was like a known name
1: until after a night. <laughs> you calling story? yourself Hollywood royalty before you're Freddy Krueger? <laughs> 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 no, wasn't he? I can't remember if V was before or after. I'm actually going through his mm-hmm. IMDb right now. Um, gosh, he's done a lot of films. Obviously, I'm very yeah. happy to finally feature him on the podcast, though. Yeah, he well V. No, V came out in 1983 um, and then Nightmare on Elm Street was 1984. So... I mean, he's starred in loads of films before, and TV shows, I think. But I don't know if somebody who's been in like Chips, Charlie's Angels, Galaxy of Terror would call themselves Hollywood (laughs) royalty unless they're a a premier cunt. But um, I think...
0: Okay, that's, that's that's a minor point. My main issue is how did it come to pass that Robert England recorded... Because he plays himself, recorded a you-won-a-prize message for a video game when this video game, A, did or did not exist, or... You'd know, you think that more people had played it, but it's not this urban legend thing. It's just wound up in Eddie Marsden. He says he sort of got it from a kind of collector uh, fair or a a sort of like clearance sale or something. Eddie Marsden's character is instructed in order to save his family by the game to make more copies and distribute it. So is he the first person to have done so? Is he the first person to have played it? The history of the game is, is very sort of nebulous. But at the same time, if they're kind of like trying their hardest to sort of track down the origins of this game and save their lives, could they have not like tried to contact Robert England? Like I contact his agent. He that he still exists. Like he's not dead. <laughs> so, like they um, could have just like, you, you're, you're... <laughs> added Robert England on Twitter. I'm sure he's on social media and say like, "Hey, Robert, Robert, did you a few years ago?" record a voice message for this video game and if so can you explain why all my friends and family are dying as a result of uh playing it maybe we should like go to his place if they live in america already i know it's a long distance from new york you're describing
1: like an entirely different film where they go on this road trip to converse with robert england am i describing a better film though (laughs) And like and, like the doorbells ringing, and he says, "Hang on, hang on." He puts on his bladed glove and he goes downstairs and goes, "What do you want, kids?" <laughs> <laughs> and um, Halloween's um, not for another few months. Yeah, I mean, that never occurred to me, Rory. Um all I can say is my usual defense when something's poorly written, but I still want to like desperately like Star Trek, especially. <laughs> when I just say, <laughs> But somebody says, that thing on screen doesn't make sense. And I'm like, well, it must have made sense because it's on screen. But that's the
0: thing. it's I'm all for films making little cute nods and asides and references and wink, wink, you know, unless it's done quite as bad as it's done in Uncharted when The North shows up. Um, I have my oh, issues geez, when Christ. those things sort of take you out of the movie in that respect. But you could have had Roy- Robert England do a voice cameo, but not play himself. Yeah. That would have been absolutely fine but the fact that he does play himself and just brings up a whole load of questions this film has neither (laughs) the time nor the inclination nor maybe the intelligence to effectively answer and it just made me sort of think at every moment why don't they just go and (laughs) speak to Robert England? I'm sure he'd be very willing to oblige he attends enough
1: conventions to like yeah I mean meet a fan he seems like a very nice person oh yeah brilliant love him but um, I will say, like, if you want to, I mean, I will say the whole date of the game at Nightbridge Out Street really does throw a spanner into this. But if you want to, my head canon, I think, would be it's a lot like how Tim Curry and everyone were sharp in like 90s FMV video games. They were just churning, like, the developers of this game will just find anyone they could get their hands on to but any minor celebrity to be the voice of their game. Um, Yeah. I, I, I I, also, I, I, I don't sort of like,
0: I, yeah, I've, I fully believe that Robert England would be, would have been more than happy to record an answer phone message for a horror video game in the 1980s. Like that's absolutely, that's not the suspension of disbelief I have in
1: this secret, this secret. I fully guarantee that toby meekins the director like and and the writer of this film um i can't remember his name like they were fully aware of this and they probably thought i guess some boring twats will probably moan about this for five minutes on a podcast (laughs) but it's my film i don't care it makes me giggle and and fair play (laughs) (laughs) yeah no
0: i'm i'm I will let it slide, but I just needed to air it out.
1: No, no, fair enough. Like I said, I think... I I, I mean, we're not quite at our conclusion yet, but I, I, although I am sounding like the positive person in this, like every five, ten minutes in this film, I was just like, I just don't get why this is in America. It was really <laughs> distracting. I mean... Um, just I just want to wrap up what we 're saying about Kayla I mean again I, I honestly as i said i don 't mind that she had all this shit happening to her. It makes me empathize with her, and I think it 's actually too many horror films. just assume that you care about the protagonist without actually giving you anything to care about, um, but also uh, talking about like the budget and things and, and wherever or not this is set in America like there's the only time this film kind of breaks its own rules in terms of seeing the video gamey stuff Like we only see the graphics and things when people are playing the game Um, apart from when they need to drive to this warehouse where the game was made or whatever. And there's a sequence when like we're seeing like a driving video game for a bit. And that is purely to disguise the fact that you couldn't possibly shoot On a british road and make it look like america and that took me out a bit what are your thoughts on that on the whole video game driving sequence there's like some cute comedy aspect but like why is this here
0: again i mean like this was this was something i would this was something i did let slide because i don't think it's meant to represent the game they're actually playing it's just meant to be like oh it's this is a video game movie so we'll just have a bit where it's like a video game um as you say to like cover up any sins of everyone Mm. suddenly driving on the right hand side of
1: the road (laughs) that's true they could have just though not had a driving bit and then they arrive at the place but this reminds me of this other masterpiece i saw at the cinema recently the nan movie where um there's a lot of driving sequences in a Nan movie where it's animated because I think Nan Sun is an animator, but there's also there's loads of action sequences and stuff which are completely animate. So it's also a bit like
0: um, that bit in the French Dispatch where it's all live action and then suddenly it all looks like Tintin. For I've not a seen car that chase. Yet.
1: Oh, sorry. Like spoilers for I know. the French Dispatch. <laughs> no, I'm kind of like it's so easy to watch, and I have a love hate relationship with Wes Anderson because the Grand Budapest Hotel is one of my favorite films, and I just don't really want to watch the French Dispatch because I don't want to overreg my Anderson pudding very much. I just, <laughs> I just like oh, I don't want it to be too Wes Anderson. But anyway, I, I don't think the car sequence in this was done for anything other than, uh, again, disguising that of shot in Britain. I just wonder what an American thinks of this film, you know? They're like, where, where in America is this, is my really bad American mm. accent. I don't know, man. So this the bulk of this film really is is day on day going through the challenges set by this video game every day you've got like a level 1 level 2 level 3 and a, the first one is set in this again it's meant to be an all night american diner with like a, a waitress who says her boss is an asshole and I was like w- where is this set again I mean again it was like halfway through the film I was like this is definitely Definitely meant to be America, but I don't think the waitress did a terribly great American accent. I don't know. I think the sequence. Uh,
0: I I I did like the sequence generally, like yes. the kind of horror on her face as she's inserting broken glass into her mouth and chewing on it. Yeah, not um, being able to control your own body is definitely a horrific thing. <laughs> yeah, I think the only other, but I think it's again slightly ruined when kayla tries to stop her from doing so like the chef intercepts and does like a boot up noise scream and then oh she yeah it's up in her bed it's so weird
1: yeah he walks into the frame and then yeah for, i mean actually for me the most horrifying bit of that whole sequence was i think the first choice kayla gets on her screen is something like coffee or cake i'm um, like why would you do either or why not both? Like what's ah. why why must I choose? <laughs> That's something they could explore in the sequel. Yeah. I no mean, one says I, both. I I sometimes get nostalgic about an imagined pasture I wasn't part of, but I'm very glad that I grew up like in the Nez era and I didn't have to sit through flipping Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy text adventures because they're so frustrating to play. And you know, at the start of the film, big when, um, like Tom Hanks's kid character is playing that text adventure with a wizard, I just get really angry just watching it. <laughs> but I have this sort of opposite thing like, I remember playing Scribble
0: and that was the game where you can write anything and the game will create it for you, so it's no longer a binary choice, it's okay. you can have. Oh, any so many things at your disposal to in order to solve a puzzle or do a platform. But then, as soon as you start writing jetpack and like laser, you kind of can complete pretty much everything in the game. So it's just
1: like, oh, I'd rather just play jetpack laser man instead. Mm. I mean, yeah. So again, on its own, again, if you were trying to remove the whole weirdly um, American thing to it, I, I did enjoy that scene, you know, and the guy knows how to shoot T- toby like well, i don't know him why am i calling him toby toby meekins he knows how to shoot like a little horror sequence And i mean i was listening to an interview with eddie Marson and i think the reason why eddie Marson was on board for this film was that he had seen some of he had he watched some of the shorts of the director and really liked them they're good horror shorts he said and he thinks he's going to go far so he clearly was running a nice set and and i would definitely whatever you think about this film uh i would definitely watch watch him with interest i thought actually eddie martin was not going to be in this film beyond the opening sequence so it was actually with a little bit of surprise that after uh isaac uh I was going to say bites the bullet, but it actually bites the sort of metal tape or whatever. <laughs> um, she drives to... I mean, she learns from the computer game that the boss battle is going to take place at these GPS coordinates, and it turns out this is where Eddie Marson lives with his family. And I, again, thought this was a really strong little sequence because, as I mentioned, we we hear in the titles sequence of the credits that he plays like level two and actually <laughs> the the first scene ends i think the choice given to him given to eddie Marson's character how was ear or tongue and he chooses or somebody chooses tongue the game chooses tongue doesn't it and then he goes into the kitchen and his wife has cut out her son's tongue and, I don't know, the performance made me giggle a little bit. He was just kind of, like, dumbstruck. It kind of... <laughs> I, I thought it was why.
0: very sad, because, like, silver blood coming out of his
1: mouth and tears oh, in his blood eyes. Blood is coming out. I, but, like, the I think him... The son is called Gabe. I can't remember the name of the wife, but they start the film both shouting at each other, again in sort of, like, vaguely American accents. Um, so I actually wasn't too sad to see his tongue get cut out. But... We we see this family again. Eddie Marson looks fine, but there's a, the damage done to the faces of his uh, son and wife have been sort of covered up by, I guess, glossy magazine photos. It's an incredibly disturbing look, and I think really original and... I I just it gives the whole thing this really eerie uh, aura or air. What did you think of this bit?
0: Yeah, I I I think that was like a an interesting choice. And you have this tension as Kayla warts in. They're sat down to breakfast, but it's the most like awkward, uncomfortable family breakfast because they both know that the the man of the house, as it were, has has I guess like uh, caused them to cut bits and pieces out of each other while he sits there muttering the lyrics to our friend's electric. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it's it's disquieting.
1: Yeah. Um, we learned that Eddie Martin was told by the game that his family and he would be spared if he would distribute copies of the game. So that, again, reminds me a little bit of Ring, the idea of spreading a curse around, um, spread a curse. Make sure everyone gets a little bit, gets a little bit of curse. Nice yeah, bit of curse. Yeah. <laughs> nice bit of curse. Just, you know, just take it with you. Met you know, spoonful of sugar <laughs> makes the curse go down. Um, I think it overplayed its hands. Sli- I mean, okay, we are two white guys and it's that maybe I, mean, I do get annoyed when a lot of people complain about white guys always being the villain I, I do feel it slightly overplayed its hand when eddie marston uh someone criticized the 80s i think kayla says fuck the 80s then eddie marston's like fuck the 80s <laughs> and I, I i did really enjoy that but at the same time uh i think i've slightly seen too it, it it's the current bogeyman i suppose the sort of pop culture obsessed man child and you know it's fine i just i've seen that quite a lot
0: you know i Um, there's yeah like it's it's trying to do this kind of gatekeeper thing where mm -hmm. he's sort of like saying he collects things from when he was kayla's age like Mm. when he was in his 20s or whatever now he's built up his own like old retro games collection or record collection or or whatever. And that's all fine. You know, that's okay to do that. But yeah, when he realizes that this is the boss battle and he's the boss that needs to be defeated, he goes like, and you're the hero. Aren't guys like us allowed to be heroes anymore? Because yeah. And I think that's, yeah, that's maybe like, I'm, I'm perfectly happy with them doing that angle
1: it's too much yeah i mean i fully agree with with the concept i've I've Blowing my own trumpet for a second, I, I do think like diversity in pop culture um, ultimately just provides really interesting and diverse stories. It's not tokenism. It's like I want to see something different, please, in my storytelling. Um, but sort of verbalizing it this way is kind of uh, yeah. annoying. But perhaps less annoying than less annoying than Ready Player One, where like basically, was <laughs> it the the Halliday, the main guy who who constructed the Oasis. He's basically Eddie Marson, but in just on the on the flip side of the coin.
0: <laughs> yeah, I I think it's um I think the intention is cool. Happy with that. I think it's a bit on the nose to put it
1: that way. But then we get like a kind of a fight scene, and I'm not quite sh- quite sure why this happens. But it, it turns out that. If you damage your opponent, you damage yourself. So the way to defeat the opponent is to basically stab yourself. And I, 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 I must have been writing my notes. I kind of missed why that why that rule was placed there. But I think it it's... was the choice
0: was like him, you. And I'm not sure ah, what okay. she chose, but it's also so vague as to make it like unclear. So I guess if she chose one thing, it would have been like, you hit him, he gets hurt, but she chose the other
1: thing or the okay. game chose the other thing for him. I mean, because by now it's we know it's like an evil, supernatural game, uh, we we allow things like um, she can now v- play a Spectrum game on her phone. <laughs> There's like It's like I thought we'd spend the whole film where she's carting around like a four by three boob tube vid- uh, TV, um TV. But no, she she manages to get, I guess, an emulator and play it all through her phone. But regardless, like you know, this was a great fight. It's um just something again. I've I don't think I've actually seen before, so that gives it loads of like plus points in my book. And just the it idea has this of, added ten-
0: yeah, and it gives it this added tension where like Eddie Marsden's family are also now trying to kill him, but having to shoot Kayla in order to do that.
1: Mm. And um, yeah, it's quite fun to see how like the family has really turned against Eddie Marston. He's like, Hey, Hey, don't shoot her or or shoot her. You know, it's, it's confusing, but I think intentionally so, and it's a little bit difficult to follow. So yeah, I really appreciated it. And the way like Kayla wins the day is she ends up kind of drowning herself, which is also quite a nice sort of parallel or echo of how Ricky, her brother, died. She kind of grabs a statue and throws herself into throws herself into a pool with the statue on top of her. And then, like, Eddie Martin starts sort of squirting water out of his mouth and things and, and drowns, which is... um it's i know i've seen that in something else but it's it's never doesn't it never doesn't get under my skin the idea of like you're perfectly bone dry but you your lungs are filling up with water you know not quite sure how she got out of the pool like when eddie arson dies does she like oh hang on i'm i'm alive (laughs) like they cut to a little bit later which is which is fortunate for the film yeah i think yet like uh
0: Eddie Marsden's character is like slicing his own throat open and that slices mm. her throat open. But I guess because now he's dead, she's the cursor, so she benefits. and maybe that heals her. And so she can, I guess, the. I, I Actually, just it cuts with the wife, I think, in the re, observing from the above the pool. And so I, we assume that she saved her. Yeah. But then, I mean, like, again, the, the what was- kind of says, like, you
1: were never here <laughs> and it's just like yeah actually let's let's not talk about what happened yeah i think i think that will just mess you things up a bit i mean i don't think she gets any prize money does she does she get prize money the prize seems to be she can she's a cursor now i don't think i can't remember if the film establishes if beck the original designer is also a cursor so there's two cursors, but uh, like i said that's, that's sort of more of a, a sequel question isn't it
0: well maybe because of the highlander poster in his man cave which you see briefly oh is there yeah okay. i wonder if it's meant to be like you know the prize Trans- the transference
1: i mean there is actually one final scene and actually I wasn't sure, I think this actually did Kay, Kayla a disservice because we've mentioned this guy, Lance, who's like a weird, drug dealer kind of guy. He's kind of like a bit sexually abusive as well. But he, he just reminded me of the drug dealer from The Room with Tommy Wizzo, who's like, you know, he's kind of like, he's into the whole drugs, but like, what kind of drugs does he take? I don't know. It's just weird. But Kayla decides... That he makes a perfect first victim for her programming skills. And she's the he's the guy in the trailer who Kayla eventually gets to run at a sink full of needles and stick his face in the needles. And we see his corpse later and he's dead, he's got all these syringes sticking out of his face, and there's cops as well. Like who don't who look like I guess they're American cops because they got guns and torches. <laughs> But you know, one of the cops is vomiting. It's it's fine, but I I don't think I I don't know, maybe I'm just a bit of a pacifist. I just found it really a bit uncomfortable how she has basically suffered at the expense of the game through his film, but she is a okay for using it now for her own means. And and killing oh, Lars heals herself.
0: Yeah exactly. She was like I'm not going to mess around with the American healthcare system I know an easier mm-hmm. way to uh deal with my facial scars. But I think this I think I think the whole Lance character is is where the film does like go over the top and th- this plays into also the sort of the trauma stuff like piling on the trauma having the dead brother Having the rat-infested apartment. This used to be a good neighborhood. This used to be a good neighborhood. Having you know eviction notice, hard tough times, no money. That's okay. You don't then need this sleaze bag drug dealer taking over their lives. <laughs> on top of that, it's just it's it's too much tragedy for one I, person.
1: I don't know. I feel like people do live these kind of horrible lives where it's, it's everything. No, I mean, I'm, it's, I'm not saying, you're saying that. This you're saying for the film, yeah, I get, I get for what for you mean. For the
0: film, it's. I think it's just like it's, it's too much for this mm-hmm. movie. You know, I'm not. It, I am not in any way disparaging or being condescending about real life experiences.
1: Yeah. I think it's I mean, just
0: like too much for this movie to. That's the thing. It's like it. It's it's too much for this movie to use purely as motivation and backstory and set dressing while also doing a killer video game motif
1: you know in the process all people need to do is to uh you know pull their socks up find a (laughs) find a cursed game like a jumanji or something and you know make their way in the world and and you know they'll can just curse everyone and get to the top of the company or something. Like, I'm an entrepreneur. It's like, those,
0: it's like those articles which get shared a lot, where it's just like, I managed to buy a house um, <laughs> at age of yeah. 25 um, oh, for, with only like £10,000. And then like it's just like, how did you manage to do this? It's just like, I managed to stay in a house owned by my parents for tw- 10 years. And because I wasn't paying anything, I managed to save all this money. And yeah. I just see another one, it's just like, I managed to win a cursed video game competition.
1: <laughs> I was so desperate enough to see that. You're, you're, you're scrolling through, waiting for the, the parents' drop. It's like, I found this game made by Pazuzu Industries. <laughs> <laughs> I sold oh, my best. soul to Satan. Mm. And I got a frozen yogurt, <laughs> which <laughs> I call Froget. Um, Okay yeah so okay i i still don't see a problem with all her backstory uh i but i do think i i am giving this lashings of goodwill because even in this factor with lance i found the character of lance just ridiculous i didn't i didn't find that realistic at all and again it's hampered i think by like british people pretending they're american when you could have clearly done this with a A whole british setting i mean i'm just wondering if i'm missing some really good reason why i had to be american but from where i am i completely don't understand but 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 despite all this like i said at the start of this podcast it moves briskly um i i was left wanting i was left intrigued i think so many horror films maybe get a bit too bogged down uh with when it's got when it's got like a real uh fun premise and fun uh i guess rules you know sometimes it's enough not to have too much t- too much explanation so i was i was quite happy and yeah so i'll give this a thumbs up i just wish it was a fairly british and proud movie rather than trying to i guess attract the american market because who cares about them <laughs> <laughs> well i
0: think yes i i'd be um i have some very major issues with some of the decisions that this film made i say decisions not choices um <laughs> but <laughs> decide or decide die Decide or oh. die that rhymes oh, that's, better. yeah that sounds better ugh, Uh, I'm already finding new problems I have in this film. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, I want to give it lots of benefits of the doubt because I think it is made with, you know, the best intentions to do a kind of scrappy, um, unpleasant horror film which gets under your skin and plays with certain interesting video gamey and nostalgic retro tropes. And I think it does have effective moments of unpleasantness and horror as a result of that. I do like the kind of concept. I do like when something technical or when when technology meets something satanic or like
1: science you know, opens a door sort of thing. Yeah,
0: that kind of stuff I'm perfectly on board with. And I I, I like that that is what this film is tackling and what this film is dealing with so i just kind of feel like there are uh things about it which unfortunately scupper my enjoyment of the stuff that does work and it's just like a little bit too balanced in the favor of things not working than things working for me to really like fully recommend it but i you know i i i Unlike some of these kind of movies that I see, I, I don't regret watching it.
1: <laughs> um, would you recommend House of the Dead 2 over this? No. Okay. Well, that's, you know, I think films... <laughs> is, it's, well, that's Ooh. the thing. It's, that's the choice. It's a
0: would-you-rather situation. House of the yeah. Dead 2 or Choose or Die. Choose or Die. Yeah.
1: Exactly. In in Basically, all of cinema can be broken down to better than House of the Dead 2 or worse than House of the Dead 2. <laughs> and, Apart from uh, the it's... film House of the Dead 2. Oh, gosh, yes, gosh. Hmm. Is that is House of the Dead 2 better than uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs? Mm, that means it's apples and oranges, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Really depends where <laughs> you're going orange. yeah do you like dwarfs i do oh well i got just the film for you (laughs) um cool okay well we'll see if there is a sequel or if it's just an open-ended film but i will most certainly be seeing the next film from this creative team um in the meantime how can people keep in touch with us You can find
0: information about the podcast and video game movies on our website, gamesonfilm.witsite.com slash podcast. All episodes of the show are available wherever you get your podcasts, be it Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Acast. So please do like, rate, review, share, and subscribe. You can find us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at gamesonfilmpod. And you can contact us, gamesonfilmpod at gmail.com. I'm on Twitter at Rory
1: Steele. I'm at Only Man Who Can.
0: And the music was composed by David Lightfoot.
1: Well, you can choose to listen to us again for our next episode, or you can do something else. I don't want you to die. I like you too much. Thank you for listening. <laughs> um, until next time. See, I would watch. <laughs> Imagine a film called Choose or Don't Die, I Like You Very Much. It would be a totally different film. (laughs) But, yes, thanks very much for listening. I've been Harry. I've been Rory. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.